lot of people in our church have distorted this, right? And we all look bad, you know, in this. But we now have been raised to, to love and raised to service. So you get to make the choice, but the choice, it's not just, oh, I'm a Christian, this is cool, life is going to be awesome, nothing bad's ever going to happen. Like, doesn't work that way. Uh, in fact, I think it's more drama, more pain, more heartbreak when you're a Christian, when you accept God's call on your life. You're signing up for more of that. Sorry if this is a bad sales pitch this morning. You're, you are signing up for more of that because God is going to take you to deeper levels that you would never have gone on your own, that you would never have signed up for by yourself. Like you, Because why? Why would you do it if there wasn't a call to do it? And, and God's put that in your heart. But the great part is he says, I won't take any of the pain away. Pain's going to be there. It's part of it. But I will comfort you. I love in the Bible, there's a verse that says, joy cometh in the morning. Yeah. No matter how hard it was last night, no matter the mistake you made last night, joy comes in the morning. Forgiveness comes in the morning. It's, all, it's fresh every single day. If you blew it yesterday, guess what? You get another shot today. Right? Next time Daniel calls, I will answer right away. Right? <laughs> I get another shot at that uh, to hit it on the first ring. Um, but this was all coming to mind as I, I literally had about 20 minutes to prepare to talk today. And that was coming to mind. And um, I think the other part, Lisa and I have had a really hard week. And a long time ago, God called us to something that we didn't understand how hard it was. It was, we thought it was, oh, it's fun and it's cool and it's cute and look at us, we're so awesome. Um, we had a lot of energy back then. I have very little energy today. Uh, but what we, our perspective of it, like, yeah, it was, it's going to be hard, but no way did we really know how hard it could be. And that God would rip every part of our heart out in order to serve him, in order to be part of this mission that he's called us to. And we're still going to do it. And it's, and it's still hard. But I think a lot of people are going through that in their lives right now. As I talk to people this week and this morning, and I hear, I know what God's put in many of your hearts and big dreams, and you're like, we're in the messy middle of this. It's hard. I don't know. Maybe you have a kid like I do. It's hard. Kids are freaking hard. Uh, maybe you're in the middle of school right now. School is hard. I design school. I make it hard. Like, it's... it's, it's <laughs> It's what we do, right? Like maybe God is calling you out of some deep bondage that you've been in in your life, and you're like, God, I don't honestly know that I can make it without that crutch. And God keeps calling you to go deeper and deeper into that. So as I was thinking today, I was thinking about uh, this character in the Bible. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can open them to 2 Samuel 9. Um, and I want to talk about a guy named um, Mephibosheth. Isn't that a fun name? Mephibosheth. So, um, you guys, you know, having babies, if you are looking for a name, Mephibosheth uh, is wide open, uh, coronary. You guys could, you could take that and run with it. Uh, I was just thinking of uh, nicknames they could have. Fibbo or Chef or something like that. 
Uh, <laughs> so let me give you some background on Mephibosheth. And the reason that I love this story so much is I love what precedes it. And this is back during um, King David. And this is uh, when King David, um, before he became king, um, it was a really rough time for him. Um, God had actually called him out to be the king. And in this amazing way of almost like Cinderella type story that I'm going to make you the king of Israel. Uh, in fact, where uh, the, the guys who are going out and looking for her God is not a king gets together with this guy named Jesse and says, let me see all your sons. And David's not even there, right? And he's, these are all my sons. And they go through and uh, they're looking like, nope, none of these are it. Don't you have another son? Yes, I have one more son. He's the runt of the litter. He's actually out picking up sheep poop right now. Uh, that's what he did. And they brought him forward, and that was who God had anointed the king. The problem is the previous king wasn't about that. His name was Saul, and he wasn't about that. But God had anointed David to be the next king of Israel. And David had a really close friend named Jonathan. And Jonathan, okay, this is getting good. This is like getting to be a telenovela here, right? Like it's, it's uh, Jonathan was actually Saul's son. So David's best friend was the son of the king that he was supposed to take his job. Awkward. This would have been a good reality show, right? Real, real uh, homies of Israel or something. I don't know. I was trying to associate it to real housewives, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't working. Um, so Do Jonathan and David were friends. There are actual multiple times through the Bible where, um, where Jonathan would tip off David that his dad was trying to kill him. And then David would run and flee. But they, they had this amazing, deep friendship that superseded family, that superseded um, their culture. God really fused this friendship together. So, fast forward, uh, King Saul dies, David becomes king, Jonathan dies, and here's David, and he's sitting in this place of remembrance, and he's remembering his best friend, Jonathan. And I don't know if you guys have a best friend, um, but if I think of my best friend, I have these really fun times, and then I have these also deep pains of being a friend and what you go through being a friend with people, you know, as they choose, they make decisions and, and go different ways. And this is where we um, start in, uh, in 2 Samuel 9. And David, one day David asked, uh, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? And not because of Saul, but because of Jonathan. Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is there anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar. Ziba told him, at the home of Maker, son of Emil. Those are probably all pronounced wrong, by the way. Uh, so David sent for him and brought him to Makar's home. His name was Mephibosheth. 
He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came, David, when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground. In deep respect, David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectively and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should sow such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants will be farm the land for him and produce food for your master's household. So I'm going to give you everything back that your grandfather had that should have went to your father, my best friend, who looked out for me. But it doesn't stop there. In verse uh, 10, you and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him. It's talking about Ziba. Produce food for your master's household. Uh, but Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, you will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. I don't know why that's in there other than to be like, whoa, there's a lot of people to feed, right? Um, Ziba replied, yes, my lord and king, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, uh, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of his own sons. Uh, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all of the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. Remember that name Ziba here in a minute. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. So such a, a, a cool story, like, I, the song, I Will Remember You, keeps like popping in my head. I keep telling it to go away, and it keeps popping up. So I won't sing it to you guys, because that would be mean. Um, <laughs> but put yourself in Mephibosheth's shoes for a minute, right? You're, you're from this family who was once ruled this whole land, wealth, property, all taken away by the mistakes of your grandfather. Someone remembers your dad and the friendship they had with him, and restores you to this place of honor. And, and this isn't any place of honor. Think of the table that David had when he was there. I, I imagine David, the warrior, right? The warrior and the poet and the musician, one of the most complex people in human history, I think. If you look at his life, coming in, sitting at the head of the table, next to him is Solomon, the wisest person that had ever lived, right, sitting there. Absalom, which was another one of David's sons, said was beautiful. He had this amazing hair, right? Uh, it actually got him into trouble later. Stupid hair. Um, and then in walks Mephibosheth with his crutches, dragging himself to the table. Right? It's this great picture uh, of God's love for us and how he redeems what's been lost, right? And I don't think we struggle with this as much in our culture because the, the, we do, but it's in a different way. The sins of the father don't affect the, the son as much as it did back then, where if a father made a mistake, generations paid for it. Now, this still happens in our world, 
right? Sins of the father. I think of mental health. I think of drug addiction, how that's tied to your family, how that's tied to, so tied to your DNA. Doesn't have to be, right? God can heal that. But the sins of the father and how they affect the son, but God says, I will break that. I will change that for you in your generation. So it's this really cool story of redemption. And as I was saying, as I'm thinking back to something that God called Lisa and I to set us apart for, that we've questioned him over and over again, like, why, why are we to do this? Why are you calling us to do this? We would be such good missionaries, God. Like, we would be, we could open up a Bible college. It would be so cool. Like, all these things. But when I got baptized, when I said, I want in, I want in, I want to be part of the kingdom, my will died at that point, so I got God's plan for my life. And then there should have been roses and kittens and unicorns after that, right? But, but it's not. It's not. And you're going to see for Mephibosheth here in a second that it's not as well. And every time I take the next step into this calling that God's given me, every time I go a layer deeper, I peel off that layer of skin, and it's so sore and sensitive and sunburnt, and like it just gets harder and harder. So look in this story. If you go to, I hope I don't mess this up, go to chapter 16, 2 Samuel, chapter 16. <laughs> Maybe we should have them read it. Uh, I don't know how to move my Bible. Hang on. Here we go. All right, I'm going to read through this quick, but um, this is later on um, with David and that servant Ziba that we talked about. When David had gone a little beyond the summit of the Mount of Olives, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, was waiting there for him. He had two donkeys loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 bunches of summer fruit, and wine skins full of wine. What are these for? The king asked Ziba. Now let's backtrack here for a second. So that son that I told you about, Absalom, that sat at the table with David, actually went to war with David to take the throne of the king. And so he said, I, I will now be the king, and I will forcefully remove you, David, who God's anointed to be king. I'm going to remove you from power. So then David actually flees because Absalom has such a powerful force in, in Jerusalem. And David said, everyone who's loyal to me, you have to come with me now. We're going now to the wilderness. So Mephibosheth didn't know what was happening. And Ziba lied to Mephibosheth and said, no, you should stay here because you're crippled. But David took this as a slight against him. After all my kindness, after everything I've restored... He doesn't follow me, but he'd been lied to. Uh, in verse 3, this is David talking, And where is Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson? The king asked him. He stayed in Jerusalem, Ziba replied. He said, Today I will get back the kingdom of my grandfather Saul. Never happened. This was Ziba trying to get power for himself. In that case, the king told Ziba, I give you everything. So everything that I had just restored to Mephibosheth, I will give to you, his servant, because he did not follow me. 
verse 4, the second half. I give you everything Mephibosheth owns. I bow before you, Ziba replies. May I always be pleasing to my lord, the king. This is when ominous music uh, would be playing behind this. Right? Dun, dun, dun. All right, keep going with me. Go to uh, chapter 19 now. Verse 24. So David, in this, has successfully fought off his son Absalom, who's trying to take over. And he goes back into Jerusalem with everyone who had left him. And and now the issue of Mephibosheth comes up in verse 24. Now Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, came down to Jerusalem to meet the king. He had not cared for his feet, trimmed his beard, or washed his clothes since the day the king left Jerusalem. Why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? The king asked him. Mephibosheth replied, My lord, the king, my servant Ziba deceived me. I told him, Saddle my donkey so I can go with the king, for as you know, I am crippled. Ziba has slandered me by saying that I refuse to come, but I know that my lord, the king, is like an angel of God, so do what you think is best. Sit in that for a second. I know what you've called me to, God. I know what you've told me to do. I know the mess that I'm in right now because I'm taking these steps forward with you. But you know what? You know what's best. You do what's best. I don't care what my stupid neighbor says. I don't care if someone judges me. I don't care if someone thinks I'm a bad parent. Oops, did mine just slip in there? (laughs) I don't care about any of that because I know who you've called me to be, I know what you've called me to do, and it's tough right now, and I'll live with that. Verse 28. All my relatives and I could only expect death from you, my Lord, but instead you have honored me by allowing me to eat at your table. What more can I ask? 29. You've said enough, David replied. I decided that you and Ziba will divide your land equally between you. What? Verse 30. Give him all of it, Mephibosheth said. I am content just to have you safely back again, my lord and king. He gets crazy wronged here, right? And even the decision that David makes to split it between the two of them is pretty dumb. Like, Seriously, and, and I, like, man, David did a lot of dumb stuff. I mean, you can, man, he was an adulterer. He then killed the, the wife's husband. So, so they went, he tried to get them. He came back from war. Well, let me back up. So he, he sleeps with this woman. He has an affair with this woman that he finds beautiful. And then he's worried that she's pregnant. Sounds like today, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds like our TV station if you turn it on. Uh, what people are going through, right? So he says, okay, her husband's a soldier. Bring him back, and why don't you go home, be with your husband tonight, right? Thinking that everyone would just think she had been impregnated by her own husband, right? Then when that doesn't work, he sends him to the front. Put him in the front line of the war, and he gets killed. Man, David messed up as much as anyone in the Bible, but when God captured his heart, when God 
revealed the sin. When he got there, he repented like nobody. He would shave his head, rip his clothes, cover himself in ash. I'm telling you to do all that. I think you can just repent. I think that probably works as long as your heart's there. But God called him a person after his own heart. Like that David had the same heart as God because his heart was passionate. And when God gets a hold of your heart, you should be passionate about what he's called you to do. And if you're like, I don't feel any of that passion right now, there's something in the way that you need to deal with, generally through prayer and fasting, to find that passion that God put in your heart. But don't mistake when things go wrong, when the plan doesn't go like it should have, that that is God not being with you. He is with you. And in the end, Everything, every thought that you had about the plan, the, what God put into your heart, none of that matters because your part is just to say, it's all yours, God, anyway. And I surrender all of it. You know what? He's wronged me. Give it all to him. I don't care. As long as I get to be in your kingdom. As long as I get to be in your presence and get to be with you. So, you know, as I think we're, all the stuff we're going through this week like multiple people I've talked to in the church and myself, I really just feel like God is saying that rain falls on the just and the unjust. And that in times where you feel alone, where you feel like he's abandoned you in what he's called you to do, he's there. And he wants to renew that passion that he put in you when he first revealed. That passion when you first came out of the water and we're like, I, my whole life is different now because I've chosen not to live in isolation. I've chosen to be part of a community. I've chosen to love people even when they're jerks, even when they're a-holes. I have chosen to love people. I'm serious. I know some a-holes. And I'm one of them a lot of the time. So people are not pointing to me like, yeah, you're right. Because right? it can't be about me and it can't be about you. It has to be about him and knowing that he has a greater plan and a deeper plan than you could ever orchestrate on your own. So I don't know where you're at today. Like, they'll be like, hey, I've actually had a really good week. This is kind of depressing. Uh, <laughs> save this for later. Because <laughs> if, if this wasn't your week that was tough, it's coming, my friends. <laughs> it's coming. There's going to be that week where someone tries to derail what God is doing in God's bigger than that. I think of Jake's message about uh, Jonah. In God turning heaven and earth to get this guy where he was supposed to be, but yet his heart hadn't gone with him, right? Like, God will... It's the hardest thing to understand is that sometimes God will put you in this place. You'll be in the place before your heart is there, right? And your heart has to follow because he will comfort you. That joy will come in the morning, like he said it would. So I just want to pray whatever you're going through today. Uh, and we're going to, I think we have a prayer team, if they're not all sick. <laughs> prayer team, come on up. Hurry quick before, before the lasagna from last night digests, right? Uh, we'll get the prayer team up here. Um, God never said it would be easy, He never said it would be pleasant. Only thing he said is that he would be with you through it and that he would comfort you in those times. But you can opt out of that comfort. 
Oh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> so if that's you, if you're in this place, this, this message resonated with you and you want prayer, um, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to go all Mephibosheth on this, right? And just raise your hand that you would like to be prayed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Put your hands down. Um, I didn't think that through. Now I'm going to encourage a second step of prayer. Why don't you come up and, and meet with our prayer team and then... Uh, I think we, have, we need more people to pray. So if people come forward. You don't have to be qualified to pray. You just got to open your mouth. It's that simple. Uh, if we could just come up and, and just make sure everyone is, is getting some prayer here. We'll give some space for, for God to move. Worship team, if you'd come forward. Do we have our baptism folks, Cherish? Do we have baptism folks? No. No, okay. All right. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll have the worship team come up. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just come. We ask that you would flood this place. If you would, just stretch your hands out to the folks in front as a way of support. God, we know that you put visions in hearts, God, that you call people to yourself. And Lord, we ask right now that you would just penetrate this place with your spirit. God, we pray for all the stuff that people are going through, the, 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 the obstacles in the way, God, of, of what you're calling them to do, God. We pray that your comfort, your mercy would come today, God. 